Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and welcome to... Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a Monday solo episode. Chuck and John will be back later in the week. This episode was recorded on Sunday night when I just submitted myself to watching a Lakers game. It was not pleasant. Uh, a little thing, couple things about the interview, just as a heads up. We talked a little bit about the Grizzlies before we started recording, so that might color some of the conversation when he doesn't just mention the Grizzlies out of the blue. And thanks to one of our Patreon supporters, power listener, Damon Rangula, at Damon R on Twitter, for providing me some questions and other Lakers information, because, again, I don't, I don't watch this team. A reminder, the month of March... We are doing a thing where if you write an iTunes review, a five-star iTunes review, we will read it on air no matter what, as long as it is not horribly offensive. No one has gone the horribly offensive route yet. We appreciate that. But you can plug yourself, your Twitter handle, your band, your fledgling vineyard that needs support, your Kickstarter, whatever it is. Uh, The review obviously helps us out, and then we will give you a shout-out. My guest today covers the Lakers for Forum Blue and Gold, the ESPN True Hoop affiliate, and co-hosts the Lakers Film Room podcast, and is a repeat guest. Mr. Darius Soriano, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, Keith. And you? Ah, I'm doing fantastic. I, uh, I saw Kobe Bryant explain a made-up word to a sock puppet earlier today, and I actually watched a Lakers game. So I guess I'm ready to talk about that with someone. Yes. So, so that's like two for two, right? That's, that's two for two on things I don't normally do. Uh, and that I feel like I need a little consolation about, uh, I can't say which was more horrifying. I was kind of weirdly disturbed by the Kobe Bryant video. Uh, and then the Lakers game was just abysmal. We are recording this on Sunday night as the Lakers dropped another game, uh, to the Portland trailblazers in a rather low scoring affair. I thought I was going to see, I mean, so I will tell our listeners, I don't watch the Lakers hardly at all. Uh, I haven't seen them play very much this season. Lucky uh, you. Right. <laughs> but I do, I do gather they don't, tr- they're not very good at defense uh, yes. and they give up a lot of points. I have seen the Blazers play a lot this year and they're not very good at defense. But this game, uh, to the bookies, I guess, chagrin for those who took the under, I'm assuming they went way under. It was a uh, Lakers had 32 at halftime. But anyway. I, I feel like I need a hug. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it was not um, early on. It was not a well-played game. Lots of turnovers, you know, um, several of them just sort of unforced, like off of the dribble, you know, guys coming around and pick and just sort of losing the ball. Um, I think CJ McCollum had 
four turnovers in the first half, and all of those may have come like in the first quarter. Actually, he was just um, not playing very well, and and everyone was just shoot, shooting poorly. Um, the Blazers started to turn it on. I would say around the eight minute mark of the second or of the third quarter, though, and just started to basically hit every shot. And it turned into the game that I thought I was going to see, at least from the Blazer side, which was just a lot of shot making. Um, yeah. So, yeah, loss number 52 for the Lakers. So. <laughs> well, we're going to talk we're going to talk a lot about kind of the grand scheme, the big picture stuff with the Lakers going into the season as they have collected now it is 52 losses. Um but before we do all that, uh before we get too far into it, it is our tradition to talk about breakfasts. Uh did you have breakfast this morning? What'd you have? Oh, so I had an omelet. Okay. So, you know, sort of like a Denver style, right? With um bell peppers and onions and um swapped out ham for uh canadian bacon oh yeah yeah so so quite good with with a with a cup of coffee so so you know you caught me on on a sunday right so weekends are normally the times for cooking breakfast right and sitting down and eating yeah Uh, work week is more an on-the-go activity for me yeah, I actually remember you saying that. I was I was refreshing myself with our podcast from September earlier today, and you uh, you said the same thing. You you made yourself an empanada on that day uh, when we when we talked back in September. When we did speak back in September, uh, before the season started, you were vaguely optimistic about this year, as in it would be a time for a growing and establishing good winning habits. There was the obvious culture change coming in with Luke Walton. And uh, you expressed how the previous two years of losing had been excruciating and you didn't think they would try to tank this season. You thought maybe they would try to maybe build more of a winning culture and and maybe get some more games. Now that we see that isn't the way it really turned out. uh, How are you doing? Like, like what's your takeaway from year three of your kind of really, really awful again? Yeah. So I, so to my credit, they yep. were 10 and 10 to start the year. They, right? they, they were. And and things were looking like, hey, Darius might actually be smart. You <laughs> should have brought me on at uh, the 10 and 10 mark. And I could have, you know, uh, basked in the glow of my um, predictive abilities. Um, but, you know, things right after that part of the season, things started to turn. Um, some injuries hit and they never really got back into the flow. And now... Um, you know, with about 10 games left in the year or whatever's left, um, they're quite bad again. Um, you know, I, I would say that I've taken the losing a bit better this year. Um, that's a bad sign, Darius. Well, I should say this, (laughs) that you're getting comfortable with it. I, so I wouldn't say that I'm getting comfortable with the losing per se, but I'm, I'm a bit more happy with the process that has been going into how they've been playing. And so when the process is, so do I sound like a 76er fan yet? Yeah, you Um, do. (laughs) But, but when I see the young guys getting more reps, I see them playing heavier minutes. um, I see flashes of them being good, good NBA players. And, um, and in some games playing, basically to their potential level, then that gives me a bit more hope for next year. Um, 
and well, and beyond. But let's just face it, this year has been just a crazy year, um, both on the court and even more so maybe off well, off the court, right? With um, the front office shakeup and um, everything that went with that, there's been sort of a lot of drama with um, the behind the scenes stuff. And I don't necessarily think that that's impacted the on-court um, prod product well as much, but there has been this sort of shift in priorities late in the year that that is even more so in the direction of, well, let's analyze the young players and see what they're about. And that's definitely come at the expense of seemingly trying to win games. There have been some funky lineups and some things where it's just like, I don't blame folks for saying, you know, the Lakers are tanking. Yeah, a couple of those lineups, they moved D'Angelo Russell to the bench recently just for a couple of games. What what was going on there? You know, I think it was a combination of wanting to get Jordan Clarkson um, more reps at point guard. So coming out of the all-star break, um, the Lakers traded Lou Williams, which was um, he had basically been their best player all season. Um, and he continues to play well with well with the Rockets. And with that came um, sort of a shift in roles for Jordan Clarkson. He was playing off the ball a fair amount with the bench. He had been a six-man pretty much all season. And once Lou Williams got traded, the ball got put into Jordan Clarkson's hands a lot more with, well, with the second unit. And, and Clarkson was playing well coming out of the All-Star break. I want to say to the point where he got moved to the starting lineup, he had been averaging close to 20 points a game. Um, his two-point shooting efficiency was sort of hovering around 50%. Um, he was moving the ball a little bit better as, as, as a passer and, and, and making um, a few more good passes out of the pick and roll where typically he, he'd been just a shooter um, and looking to get downhill as, as a dribble drive player. Uh, so I think that part of it was, okay, well, let's get Clarkson some reps with the first five and do it with the ball in his hands. And I think part of it was to sort of um, throw a bit of a shot across the bow to, to uh, D'Angelo Russell. He had been playing very well, too, coming out of the All-Star break. And Coach Luke Walton made it a point of emphasis to say, oh, it has nothing to do with the way that Russell's playing. And he's been playing really well. And this is that and the other. But – um, when you actually watch the games, there were a few moments in the couple of games leading up to the game where he got moved to, to the bench where you could tell that Walton was frustrated somewhat with the way that Russell was playing. Um, so I didn't like that move, but um, I definitely think there was more there. And, and Walton admitted as much by saying we want to put guys in situations and sometimes even adverse situations just to see how they respond. And when people directly asked him, um, well, is that what you're doing with, well, with Russell, he didn't deny that. So I think it was a little bit of both of those things. Yeah. So moving forward and as they are with that backcourt, trying to figure out, you know, how they fit together and who fits beside who, as far as like Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, because I'm not much of a big college basketball fan, but I'm starting to look at the draft a little bit. And it seems like the top prospects, there's a ton of point guards. 
and there's a couple of forwards. Is, is it part of trying to figure out, like, if we add, you know, if we do get to keep our pick and we add one of these top point guards, we need to figure out how Clarkson and Russell are going to fit with that? I think it is. Um, I think the Lakers are really still trying to figure out what they have in in Russell and, and what is the best way to optimize his play. I think it's pretty clear that he can be um, a very good combo guard that and that he can play as a point guard. I'm just not sure if they see him as the type of point guard that is a um, this ball dominant guy who's who's going to consistently make the right pass shot decisions and get the offense organized in ways that optimize his teammates while still being the, while still being able to optimize his his own game. You so when D'Angelo Russell was at Ohio State, the role that he's playing now is is very much similar to that what he played in college, where he 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 has the ball a lot, but he also worked well off of the ball. And I think the Lakers are really trying to fig, figure out is is. How can we use him in all of these ways to maximize him and, and, and moving him off the ball and seeing how he works and what kinds of actions they can use him in to to put him in positions to succeed? I think that that's a goal for this last part of the well, of the season and playing into that with the top prospects with a um, Markel Fultz or a um, or Alonzo Ball that 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 plays into it as well. You said like they're trying to see what they have in him as an outsider and as someone who admittedly doesn't watch a lot of their games. When I look at the Lakers roster, I still can't figure out what they have in a lot of their roster. So I'm curious hmm. among these young asset guys, or like when I, when I'm dreaming of building around Lakers players, like, I don't know how, like, like how does Julius Randle fit beside I don't know like say Paul George or you know or like like is Ingram the three of the future or the four of the future? So I'm curious of these young guys that the Lakers have right now. Uh, how many of them do you think are potential starters on like a really good playoff team? And and uh, we'll just I guess yeah let's leave it at that. I think that Ingram and Russell could be starters on a good playoff team. I think Randall's a bit trickier of a projection because of the defensive issues that he has at this point. Um, I think that everything around his offensive game is going to come come around. I actually also think, too, that um, long term, he's going to be a guy who could hit like 32 or 33 percent of his three pointers. Um you know, that may seem like a stretch right now, but coming out of the all-star break, I read a stat earlier that he's basically shot about 36 or 37% from behind the arc in the eight games leading up to Sunday's game. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was on like 29 attempts or something like that. So over eight games, he had taken, you know, a little bit over three, three pointers a game and was connecting at like 37% of those. Now I don't necessarily think that that number would hold up over the course of an entire season, but I think it also does show that, that um, he's getting more and more comfortable from shooting the ball from, from out there. And that long-term, I think he's going to be able to hit that shot at a reasonable rate, maybe like a tick below league will, will league average, which I think um, adds to his ability to play 
at power forward for a really good, good offense and for a team that could be in the playoffs. But if you're going to be a really good playoff team and, and you know this from watching the Grizzlies that you need defense at those spots. Um, and, and I'm not sure if Randall's going to be able to give it, you, you know, even with, um, to get back to the Grizz Grizzlies example, even if, um, you don't have that necessarily at your power forward spot, you really need it then at pretty much every other position on the floor to sort of cover for that. Mm -hmm. And the Lakers certainly don't have that right now. And as long as D'Angelo Russell is going to be a starter, um, I don't think they're going to be getting plus defense out of that at whatever position he will, he plays maybe league average, but nothing above that. And, And so when you start to have multiple players in your star starting lineup who are league average or below defensively, then that's tough to build a good defense. So do you, do you think in the future you look at Ingram as being like, like the three of the future and then Russell being like a one or two, depending on who you have. And then maybe Randall's off the bench or like in Zubach, you know, off the bench, like someone they want to keep around. Yes. And so I think that Ingram is long-term going, going to be a small forward who can slide up a position um, to power forward in certain lineups. I think Russell is going to be basically, um, a lead type guard, right? Where even if you pair him with a point guard that he's still going to be able to work with the ball in, in his hands a fair amount. And that what position he plays is going to be more off of like who he defends. Right. And so if, if he's defending point guards and I guess you can call him a point guard, if, if he's defending more shoe shooting guards then call him a shooting guard. Right. But I think offensively his role really isn't going to change too, too much. Um, and as far as Randall goes, um, I'm not sure if he's, I think that Randall could be a player that in the long term he's either going to be sort of a viable starter because he's picked up his defensive level or he is going to be a guy who's on a different team and the Lakers really like Randall. So I don't think that they're, um, you know, itching to trade him by any means, but he's going to be extension eligible next season. Um, and they're going to have to make a decision on, on him and it's tricky how much you pay a guy who has all this potential still to be a real impact player offensively but hasn't necessarily shown the defensive chops especially at a position that is um where you really need that now in today's nba especially when you look at the precedent of some of the salaries given out last summer like luol deng and timothy mozgov oh man on the roster uh what role do those guys have with the Lakers uh, going forward. I mean, they've obviously shut them down this season and said like, you're no longer needed to help out the young guys on the court. Um, so what, what are the, what are they going to be doing next year? I think it's interesting to think about them within that context. Right. And, and so um, without getting into too many like hard salary cap de- will will details um, the Lakers are going to have minutes available at the spots that they play. Um, if they don't bring in, you know, um, 
a big time free agent, for example. So they may chase a guy like Gordon Hayward or they may try to make a trade for a guy like Paul George or something like that. But but let's just say that all of those things fall through. There's still going to be minutes at small forward. There's still going to be minutes available at center. And you may and we may still be looking at those guys playing on the team next year, um, clearly in backup roles. But um, I still think that the idea of them as veteran players who can who can provide, you know, for dang like 15 to 20 minutes a game as maybe a swing forward um, and Mozgov, you know, like maybe 10 to 15 minutes a game as as a backup big man. To me, the that's still possible. Possible. I also think that either of them could be waived via the stretch provision just to open up more cap space if they really feel like they can make a run at at a free agent. And so, the, I'm not sure if we're at that point yet this upcoming summer, but that's definitely on the horizon. The transition of power that happened, where uh, Magic Johnson became GM, you know, and or whatever charismatic face of the franchise. And then, and then Kobe's old agent, Rob Plinka came in. Uh, you consider all of that transition to be a positive thing and a silver lining to this bad season. Again, as an outsider and someone who likes to look at, I don't know, the, the behind the scenes machinations as something kind of nefarious. Like these are all Lakers connections. And I know the bus family is trying to maybe do a coup with genie bus. So all that behind the scenes stuff and keeping it in the family. Are you feeling good about that and the direction that's going to take the Lakers? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic with that. Um, so the timing of those moves or just sort of how it all went down was not something I necessarily agreed with. Um, I thought it was sloppily done and, um, I don't think showed enough, um, respect to the people in those positions. Even if I think long-term there was, I would be on board with letting go of, um, Jim Buss from his position for sure. And even Mitch Kupchak, who I have a lot of respect for as, as a GM, um, that said, you know, I think that it's it's easy to sort of look at it from the two sort of um, dichotomy positions, right, that you sort of laid, well, laid out or that we're talking about here, which is that they hired these guys who are very close to the Lakers. They're sort of like, just like you said, Laker family. They didn't do an exhaustive search. They just sort of... Um, brought in magic as this advisor and then suddenly boom, they fired those guys. And now he's the president of basketball operations. And then boom, they hire Kobe Bryant's former agent, Rob, well, Rob Palinka to be the general manager. Um, I think that in a vacuum, either of those guys could end up being successes in their positions. And I would not be surprised at all. Um, you know, Rob Palinka was, one of the power agents around the league. He obviously is well-connected across the entire league and not just with the Lakers. You you know, Kobe Bryant's retired. So when you look at who he represented before he obviously divested from, from his agency, he repped guys like James Harden and um, a lot of the Rockets guys like Eric Gordon and um, Trevor Ariza and, and several other um, 
Chris Bosch and, and a few other like name guys. So he's, he's clearly respected across the league as someone who is very good at his job. And I think that a lot of the skill set that he's bringing from the agent world will be very helpful to him as, as a GM. Um, as for Magic Johnson, if, you know, I think it's easy to also look at his sort of like his Twitter personality or maybe how he is on tel television and make fun of him. I know I've, I've made no. a few, I've made a few <laughs> no, jokes at his no. expense, right? Um, but when you look at the flip side of this, he's been very successful as a businessman post basketball. Um, he's been part of the ownership group that has helped turn, will turn around the Dodgers. He's part of the ownership group of the LA Sparks, which just won a WNBA championship. So I, I think that he's, he's had a ton of success in the business world and in sort of sports ownership world. And I think it'd be just as silly to sort of disregard all of that and then just say, oh, well, he's going to be bad because his Twitter feed is sort of Captain Obvious stuff, right? <laughs> um, so, so I definitely see both sides of, of it all. And that's why I'm not gung-ho by saying, oh, yeah, this is definitely going, going to work. Um, nor, but nor am I super pessimistic about how some of the life skills and real world skills that they bring to their positions, how those things can translate to success at the NBA level. Yeah. The Lakers had a real good run with nepotism, so maybe it'll keep going. You know, it's treated you guys well in, in the past. Um, and with, you know, Magic Johnson, I, I feel like every time I hear Johnson talk and then I hear, like, I heard Palinka on a podcast, I feel like they're selling me something. And I don't, yes. know, if that, I don't know if that's just my natural, uh, I'm a Laker hater, and so I'm just doubting everything they say. But I, I don't know. Um no, I think that they certainly are. Like, not to cut 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 you off, but every public statement that they've made so far has had this hint of of hey, like free agents. This place is going to be great for yeah. you, right? Like, and even if they're not necessarily right. So, like, Palinka was on. I think Adrian he was on Woj's podcast. Yeah, right. And Magic made this long statement that um, when they unveiled the Shaq statue at Staples Center the other day, and almost there were like just like strong undercurrent of sort of these pitches that are going on within these statements, right? Where like they're ta like Palinka's talking to Woj, but he's really talking to free agent X, yeah. right? And, and, and like the same to Magic Johnson. So, so no, I think your radar is on point with that. Um, I don't think it's it. You know, yes, you may hate the Lakers, but I mean, I still think that 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 your sonar is is uh, picking up the right beeps there. Well, a lot of it, it just seems like it's the same pitch they've been saying for years that we're the Lakers. We have a built-in advantage of all, all these other teams for free agents because of Hollywood and the legacy and whatever. And again, as, as an outside basketball fan, you're like, yeah, I've heard that for a while and you guys have not been doing super well with that. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe things will change. I'm curious in this offseason uh, if it comes up that Magic Johnson's old buddy Larry Bird gives him a phone call and obviously Paul George is a guy who keeps getting, uh, you know, linked to, to the Lakers. Uh, he's from LA. He's got another year on his contract. 
Um, if Larry Bird calls up Magic and says, and, and in this fictional scenario or theoretical scenario, the Lakers have kept their top three protected pick. Uh, and he says, hey, uh, so Paul George is going to leave. And I'm looking at the Celtics. My buddy Danny Ainge is offering me something. Will you guys trade me the number three pick for Paul George or Brandon Egan for Paul George? Uh, what do you do? What, what do you, Darius, do? Or what do you think might happen? I, I mean, I'm all for acquiring a player of George's level. Um, it all just comes down to, you know, they always say the devil's in the details. And so I, I'd want to construct a neutral or advantageous trade for the Lakers, right? Mm-hmm. So so if it's like the number three pick and Julius Randle and maybe even Jordan Clarkson, would I make that deal? Probably. Oh, all if right. It's, if it's the number three pick and D'Angelo Russell and Julius Randle, I'm probably saying no, right? It like um, the same as if it's the number three pick and Brandon Ingram. Mm-hmm. Um, you you know, I think that you have to sort of. Um, so already, I think you can see where my tier of prospects is for the Lakers or or how I would rank the assets, right? That if it's, and it's also a difference if the pick is the number three pick versus the number two pick or the number one pick, right? Um, because I think that within this draft, so I haven't done a ton of prep yet for, for the draft because um, part of me is sort of on the, I don't want to get too invested in players before I know that the Lakers have kept their pick or not. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, that's smart. <laughs> and and I also don't want to tempt the basketball gods. I'm a little bit um, weird in that way. Yeah. So so, but but I, from what I have from from the studying that I have done so so far, it looks like to me that there is um, players in the top two. Right. Which is like Fultz and Ball. And then there is a bit of a step down to the next tier of prospects. And, and so if the so that's why I'm saying that it's a difference to me if the Lakers kept the number two pick or got the number two pick or number one pick versus if they got the number three pick in general, if the Lakers kept their pick and it was number three, I would likely be looking to trade that pick rather than. Just in general, like I, I, I'd select that pick, but I would also be canvassing the league as to potentially available all-star level players and what type of package could we build around the number three pick to to get our foot in the door to have a conversation. And that's, and I'm reading into that. You still possess a lot of faith or um, you see, you still see a lot of promise in Brandon Ingram. Like that hasn't been tarnished at all. No, it has not. And in fact, he's had a really good March. Um, so when you look at the scope of his full season, he's his box score stats and plus minus stuff and and advanced metrics, right? Like RPM and defensive RPM and all of that stuff. All of those paint him as one of the lesser players in well, in the league, right? And so I'm not oblivious to all of those those things. He's also only 19 and he won't be 20 until something like October of 2017. So basically he would have played his entire rookie season as a 19 year old, which is sort of rare. Um, He's also physically not necessarily there yet. Right. When you look at his physique and, and his build, but then on the flip side, 
he has all of these tools. Um, you know, he's got tremendous length and excellent feel for the game. And, and his game itself has started to sort of come around in March where he's been hitting like 50% of his two point shots and he's been driving to, to the basket more. He's settling, um, his, like he's getting his feet set and, 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 um, making his jumper more both off of the dribble and out and, and out of the post. And he's this natural ball, well, ball mover and passer. And he just knows how to play the game. And I think that when I look at Ingram, I think his floor is relatively high and that his ceiling is, is still incredibly high, like not Kevin Durant high or anything like that. But, but I think that he can be like a 20, like a 20 point per game scorer who's getting like, like seven to eight rebounds a game and can get you five, five assists. And, and I think that that's a really good player basically and play plus NBA level defense with, with versatility on that end to guard wings and down the line bigger players and even protect the rim. That's good. So it sounds like you're, you're hanging on to your optimism. You still have, I am. You, you have, you haven't let the, uh, this season beat, beat it out of you. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a really good thing. Well, uh, thanks so much, Darius, for, uh, taking time to talk to the Lakers, uh, with me. Uh, can you tell people where they can read and find you online? Yeah. So I'm at forumbluegold.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at forumbluegold. Um, you can also find me, um, on my own podcast, the Laker film room podcast, which you can find on iTunes and several other places. Um, me and my guy, Pete Zayas, who runs the Laker film room account. Um, we, we try to break down the Lakers the best way that we can. So, um, it's good times and I appreciate you having me on Keith. Happy to do it. Thanks a bunch. All right, thanks a bunch to Darius for joining the show. Uh, you can check him out, as he said, at Forum Blue Gold on Twitter. He also has a Patreon, just like us. So if you are a extreme Lakers fan and you want to support his work covering the Lakers, you can go to patreon.com slash forum blue and gold and support him. If you like our show, you can go to patreon.com slash fast break breakfast we really appreciate all of you guys who have done that anyway thanks you guys for listening follow us on twitter at fast break break like us on facebook go to the stepback.com for all your nba news and entertainment you guys are the best thanks for listening and remember breakfast is the most important thing yeah no apologize for being tng fast break break man you understand Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.